0: Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you real good. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Hallelujah. First of all, I want to give thanks to the Almighty God for the opportunity to be here this morning amongst God's people. Pastor Femi, thank you very much. I've known him for about 17 years years or thereabout, Yeah. And uh, Pastor Rago, you're welcome, sir. Uh, pastors and pastor misses from Sierra Leone, God bless you as you continue to labor in the lost vineyard in the rural field. Uh, that's the heartbeat of God, and God will continue to prosper your work in the precious name of Jesus. I bring you greetings from Salvation Center in Austin, Texas. Austin is not Houston, most people don't know Austin. is a small city, but is the capital of Texas in the United States, and that's where God has positioned me for now. And I also work as the chief operating officer for RCCG North America by the special grace of God. This morning, I believe God has a word for us, and I'd like you to just bend down your head to pray a short prayer. Lord, send your word to me this morning. I'm not in church to hear men I'm not here for any pastor. I'm here to receive your word. Speak to me clearly. Speak to me clearly. Speak to me clearly. Speak to me clearly. I want to hear your word. I want to hear your word. I'm not here for entertainment. I'm not here to just play church as usual. I'm here to counter with you. Thank you, Father. Send your word. Send your word, O Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. I feel that more and more we are seeing that people are beginning to lose their focus on Jesus as the center of their Christian faith. I live in a country where, when you go to the average church, you probably don't hear about Jesus. You hear everything, the pastors are well spoken, very wonderful choir, wonderful praise team, greeters and all of that, great hospitality team, but you don't hear much about Jesus. We hear messages preached. And sometimes we never hear the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus. The truth is, there's no Christianity without Jesus Christ. Take away Jesus Christ and Christianity will not be in existence. So this morning I bring a word I've titled, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. Please help me tell your neighbor, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you love your neighbor, you'll tell him how her hi again. It's always good to go back to the Gospels and to Jesus and what he taught and what he did. So we're going to look at a story from the Bible and we're going to learn some lessons, if time permits me. The main thrust of this message is to remind us to always put our attention on Jesus. In life, we're going to face so many things. Life is going to throw curves at us. We're going to face some challenges. We're going to face storms in our life. There are some things that would take your attraction away from Jesus. I perceive strongly in my spirit as I began to prepare for this message. Once Pastor Femi confirmed to me that I'll be preaching here. I perceive strongly there are people, and I believe Pastor Agu was dead right on what he said. Actually, when he said it, I just said, Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are people that have been edged in, you have been closed in, and see there's no way out. I stand on the authority of God and His word that there's a way out for you this morning. Amen. All I want to say is fix your eyes on Jesus. There are so many things in life that would take our eyes off Jesus. Challenges, life's problems, situations, and circumstances that would take our eyes off Jesus. Maybe it's something that somebody has said about you or something that has happened to you recently. But for us to really walk with Christ, listen to me carefully, for us to really walk with Christ, not just walk anyhow. To, for us to walk with Christ, it must be the center. Somebody say, It must be the center. Amen. Jesus must be the center of my focus. Amen. It must be the center of your attention. We must always fix our eyes on Him. Always fix our eyes on Him. So let's look at an incident in the Bible from Matthew chapter 14. And I'm going to be reading from verse 22 onward to 33. It's a storm incident. In this storm, Jesus is not in the boat with his disciples. But they still experienced a storm anyway. In life, you will come through some storms anyhow, anyway. If anybody tells you that you will not face storms in life, that person must be deceiving you. But for every storm, there's always a way out. And this morning, there's a way out for that young man. I said, there's a way out for that young woman. For that young family, there's a way out for you. I don't know what brought you out to church this morning, but you are going back home with an encounter from the Lord. In the precious name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 23. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boats and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Please take note of that word, middle. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Take note of that word, middle. The next word, tossed. Take note of that word also, tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch, take note of that also. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, somebody say, immediately, That is why I know that today your immediately miracle will happen today. In the name of Jesus. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Please let me tell your neighbor, be of good cheer. You are in the right place at the right time. Be of good cheer. It is high. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Jesus is catching someone here this morning. And said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Every contrary wind in your life will cease today. Amen. I said, every contrary wind in your life will cease today. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So in this story, we see a storm. And it happens to the disciples, not the multitudes. That tells me that even disciples, who are the true followers of Christ, sometimes in life can face storms. So the disciples were on the boat, were in the boat, but Jesus was not there and they were in the Sea of Galilee. If you read the gospel very well, much of Jesus' ministry was around the Sea of Galilee. Most of the miracles, most of the ministry of Jesus was around the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee was not actually a sea in the real sense. It was a huge lake. But it behaved like a sea. So normally it is described as a sea. But in a technical sense, it was just a huge lake. Not really a sea. It had very unpredictable waves. And the background to this story is that just before this, Jesus had fed 5,000 people. And For some reasons, because the people were fed free of charge, I don't know where I come from, people like free things, they wanted to vote for him. Actually, they voted for him and they wanted to make him king. They had been fed free of charge. And Jesus knew that this was a political situation in which he didn't want to get himself involved in. So he had to retreat. He had to run away. They had voted, oh, this is the king, because he had fed them. So he retreated, he went to pray, and he sent his disciples away that he would meet them on the other side of the sea. So he's out on the mountain praying. The people had gone, and the disciples took the boat, and they were going to the other side. As they were going to the other side, the distance from where Jesus spoke to them, to the other side, was about five miles. Somebody say five miles. Okay. They started moving, and as they were going on on the journey, they were moving on this journey. this journey in those days should have taken them about an hour sorry an hour and a half, about ninety minutes, one hour and a half, one hour, thirty minutes. A journey of five miles should have taken them because they were not in a fast car, they were not in a, um, a four wheel drive, they were in a boat, and they were rowing so normally. A normal journey of five miles in those days on a normal day will take how many hours? How many hours? One and a half hours. How many minutes? Ninety minutes. A journey of miles for five miles would take them one and a half hours. Take note of that. Now, the Bible describes their condition in several ways, and I'm just going to run through it. Amen. Number one the first thing the Bible states about their situation was that they were in the middle of the sea. They were where? In the middle of the sea. Listen to me, brethren. That is not a good place to be in life. The middle of the sea is not a good place to be. In a storm, it is not good to be in the middle because in the middle of the sea, you are halfway through your journey. You've made some progress, but you are not at your destination yet. So for the disciples of Jesus, the storm hit them right at the middle of their journey where they could not go forward and they could not go backwards. The middle is not a comfortable place to be in any given situation. When you're hit very early, let's say you have just started the journey and you are hit with a storm, you can easily Go back. If you are almost ending the journey, almost ending the journey and there's a storm, you can still push forward a little bit knowing that within a few minutes, within a few seconds, you will get to your destination. But when you are in the middle of the sea, where do you go? You can't go forward. You are not certain. You can't go backwards because you're not certain what? So they found themselves in the middle of the sea. Not knowing what to do. The middle of the sea signifies uncertainty, fear. It was an uncertain situation. They didn't know what to do. They were halfway through the journey. Number two, the middle of the sea also signified the depth of the, situa- of the sea. In every sea that I have encountered or read about, the middle is actually the deepest. The middle is the deepest. So, for the disciples of Jesus, they found themselves in the middle of the sea, being tossed up and down. That was the deepest part of the sea, or lake. Because technically, it was a lake, but it was still deep. The middle. So, the first thing that it was a middle thing, they could not go forward, they can't go backward. Second thing is that they found themselves in the deepest part of the situation. Maybe you're here this morning and you have find yourself in a very deep waters. Deep situation that you can't, you can't thank it again for that word from Pastor Hagrid again. You don't know the way out. You are in the middle and it is very deep. But God has a word for you. I said God has a word for you. So when the Bible says they were in the middle of the sea, it means that they were literally in deep waters or in deep trouble. But God will take you out. In the name of Jesus. They were in the middle of the situation. They were surrounded by it. They were in the middle of the sea and they were in a tight spot. Number three, quickly. The third thing that the Bible says about this situation is that they were tossed by the waves. They were tossed by the waves. Now, if you look at that word from your English dictionary, you will think that it's just been to be tossed here and there, up and down like you are in a swing. But the way the word tossed is used concerning this incident, it has a deeper meaning, very fearful meaning. It actually means to be stretched, to be tormented, to be frustrated. So maybe there's someone here this morning. You have been tormented. You have been stretched beyond your limits. Things are not going the way the should or the heart to go, and you have no clue. You don't know how to get out. God has a word for you. So the disciples were tossed, not just up and down, just not left and right. No, deeper than that. The word "tossed" is the same word that is used to describe the situation of the servant of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 to 6. The centurion came to Jesus and was talking about his servant who was in trouble. He says, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. It's the same word, trust, that is used here. Dreadfully tormented. Maybe that describes your situation, but I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Jesus is still on the throne. Just fix your eyes on him. Tell your neighbor, fix your eyes on Jesus. Come on, tell your neighbor once again, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Amen. So, the word tormented is the same word that is translated tossed. So, when the Bible says that they were tossed, it wasn't as if they were having a nice time. No, it was very boisterous, very tormenting, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. So they were in this situation. They were paddling. They were rowing. And they were making no progress. Maybe you are walking. You are walking hard. You are struggling to make hands meet. And it seems that for every step forward you make, there's five steps backwards. For every two steps forward, there are ten steps backwards. You just find yourself that five years, you are still on the same spot. Three years, you are still at the same spot. Listen carefully to me. This journey for the disciples was five miles journey. And in real sense, in those days, in normal situation, normal conditions, it should have taken them one and a half hours. I'm going to show you something, quickly. Because I believe, I believe, I believe in my heart there are people in this audience, in this congregation today, you may be experiencing the same thing, but God brought you here this morning just to hear this, to encourage you and to deliver you. And that will be your experience in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the Bible says that the storm of the wind was contrary to them. That is, the storm of the wind was not cooperating with them. Not cooperating with them. The reason why they were not making progress was because the wind was not cooperating with them. I prophesy this morning. For the remaining part of this year, every situation, every circumstance will cooperate with you. Yeah. I said every situation, every wind will cooperate with you. Yeah. You will attract helpers of destiny in the name of Jesus. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the wind. There's nothing wrong with the storm. Nothing. Nothing. We need storms. We need wind. We need all of those things. We need those elements. But if they are not cooperating with your destiny, there's a problem. So this morning from this day, wind and storms will cooperate with you. They will not be contrary to you. In the name of Jesus. It is the wrong prayer to say, storm, stop. Wind, stop. You need the wind. You need the storm. But they must cooperate with you. Tell your neighbor, the winds will cooperate with you. Storms will cooperate with you. In the precious name of Jesus. So the wind was coming against them in the opposite direction. In the days of Jesus, the boats were not motorized. So they used canoe. The boats were not motorized like we have in developed countries or probably here also. So they had to use paddles manually to row, And you can imagine They were used to it because the disciples were fishermen. They all grew up by the Sea of Galilee. But in this particular situation, a journey of one and a half hours have taken nine hours. And I'm going to show you quickly. A journey of one and a half hours took them nine hours. The Bible says in the fourth watch, somebody say fourth watch. The watch was a Roman system of measurement to measure the time of the night. So usually the watch starts from about 6 p.m. to about 6 a.m., which is about 12 hours, 12 hours. So when we say that we're having a watch night service, we actually borrowed it from the scriptures from the Roman system. The watch was 12-hour period, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So we are told in this story that Jesus appeared to them in the fourth watch. So, quickly, the first watch will be from 6 p.m. to what time? 9 p.m. Second watch, 9 p.m. to 12 midnight. Good. Third watch? To 3 a.m. And the fourth watch will be 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Good. They have been in this situation for how many hours? How many hours? Nine, hours? nine hours. A journey of one and a half miles has now taken them nine hours and they were still just three miles. They had just journeyed three miles. They were in the middle. In the middle. I don't know about you. Maybe that describes your situation in life. Edged in. Caved in. No way out. Something that should have taken you two years to do, you found yourself taking ten years, seven years to achieve, and you don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. God brought Pastor Agu here this morning to share that word with you, and God brought me here, not knowing that we'll encounter each other, just to encourage you. Tell your neighbor, fix your eyes on Jesus. So the wind is fighting them. They keep going and going and going but making no progress. And then Jesus comes to them. Jesus is here this morning. I say Jesus is here this morning. The Bible tells me where two or three are gathered in his name. Listen, in his name. Where two or three are gathered in his name, not for a social event, not for a social function, but in his name, there he is in the midst of them. I believe strongly in my heart that Jesus is here this morning. And he's going to meet you at the point of your need. Just fix your eyes on him. Take your eyes off, Pastor Femi. Take your eyes from every pastor. No pastor can help you. No missionary can help you. No bishop can help you. No general overseer can help you. It's only Jesus that can help you. I said it's only Jesus that can help you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. No bishop can help you. No archbishop can help you. No pope can help you. It's only Jesus that can help you. And I wish that the church of Christ will preach this message again and again that Jesus is the only way. I said Jesus is the only way. I said Jesus is the only way. So Jesus came to them in the fourth watch. For nine hours they had been struggling and there was no hope, nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Nine hours. The wind is moving them one way and in another way they were very frustrated. They move forward and the wind will bring them backwards again. Tossing them, harassing them, frustrating their efforts. Their whole life seems to be a fruitless wasted effort. In the fourth watch, somebody say fourth watch. May I prophesy to you this morning, You have just entered the fourth watch. By the way, the fourth watch is the watch of new beginning. The fourth watch is the dawning of a new day. I say Jesus is bringing a new direction to your life this morning. Jesus is bringing a new meaning to your life this morning. Jesus is bringing a new vision to your life this morning. Jesus is giving you light at the end of the tunnel. In the precious name of Jesus. This is the night, the fourth watch is the night just before dawn. So Jesus is indicating here when he stepped into their situation, you have had nine hours of fruitless hours. Nine hours of fruitless labor. But a new day is dawning for you. Tell your neighbor a new day is done for you. It's a new day for you. Come and tell your neighbor it's a new day for you. A new watch is coming into your life. In the precious name of Jesus. The darkness is over. The night is over. And a new day is dawning. There's so much anointing in the house this morning. I said, there's the most anointing in the house this morning. I don't think it's an accident that we have all these powerful men of God in the house today. There's so much anointing. Please make sure that you Fix your eyes on Jesus and take whatever belongs to you today. It's not accidental that we have all these men in the house today. So you must not live here the same the way you came. That problem must come to an end today. In the precious name of Jesus. I announce to you: Jesus has just stepped into your situation. I said, Jesus has just stepped into your situation. The night is over. The struggle is over. Tell neighbor the struggle is over. The struggle is over. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Your life is about to change for the better. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus comes in the fourth watch. And in the fourth watch, you also have two periods. You have extreme darkness. And you have dawn. The darkest of the nights is 3 a.m. And it's darkest at that time when the day is about to break. It is darkest. Maybe that's where you find yourself very very dark situation. Please hold on. Please hold on. Don't cave in. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Because the dawn is about to break. I said, the dawn is about to break. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus comes at this period of their life and it brings a new direction, a new vision into their story. They see Jesus coming on the water and it's quite an interesting situation when they see Jesus. I'm going to spend a few minutes here because I want to show you some things. I don't know about you, but you have been struggling in a storm situation, the waves are contrary, the wind is contrary. You have been paddling, you have been sweating, sweating. And these men are fishermen. They grew up by the Sea of Galilee. They've done all their, profession, they've, all their professional life as being by the Sea of Galilee. Then from nowhere, they saw something afar off, walking on water. In all their experience as fishermen, They've never seen anything walk on water. And they've been struggling. They are frustrated. They are stretched. They are sweating, they are panting, they don't know what to do. They are clueless. And they now see something walking on water. Ah. Oh, Peter, Simon, Philip, come and see. This must be a ghost. This must be a ghost. Listen to me carefully. It makes, the first time I read this, I know that the Jews don't believe in ghosts. The Jews don't believe in ghosts. But when a situation arises and you don't have an explanation for it, everything will be a ghost to you. If the Jews, sorry, if the apostles were Nigerians, they would have said, oh, please, that's a witch there. Look at that witch. Look at that witch. Look at that witch. And they will start running away. Listen to me carefully, brethren. God works in ways that we can't explain. They have never seen any human being. They've had all their professional experience by the Sea of Galilee but they've never seen any man walk on water. So they saw somebody, they didn't know it was Jesus. They thought it was a ghost. Jesus may be approaching you. Jesus may be stepping over to help you. May be stepping into your direction. May be coming over to, in your direction to help you, to deliver you, to give you a breakthrough, and you may not recognize it. You may think it's a witch. You may think it's the devil, but I tell you, it's not the devil, it's not a witch, it is Jesus. Someone say, it is Jesus. Sometimes, situations in life will present itself to us, and we think it's the devil. I belong to a school of thought, and pardon me for that. I'm not here to teach on theology, but I just belong to a school of thought. Once I became born again many years ago and I discovered in scriptures that the Bible says that I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his Son, where? Far above principalities and power. From that day, I know that no devil, I said no devil, no devil can tamper with my destiny. Satan cannot tamper with my destiny. I was going to minister somewhere back home in the United States, and I was driving this particular day. I just wanted to drive alone. I wanted to spend some time alone in the car driving. So it was a journey of about one hour from my base. And suddenly, this ugly guy came into the car. You know what I mean? Satan came into the car and said, I'm going to kill you today. I said, Really? On that stretch of road, the speed limit is about 70 miles an hour. I said, Okay, I'm going to help you. Since you want to kill me, I'm going to help you. I stepped on the pedal, and I was driving at 100 miles per hour. I was driving at 100 miles. I said, you want to kill me? I'm going to help you. And I drove at 100 miles per hour until I got to my destination where I was going to minister. Of course, I got there early, and uh, the devil was still trying. I said, you can't. You're too late. You should have caught me when I was an unbeliever. But now that I'm in Christ, you are too late. Tell the devil you are too late. I later discovered that there was a woman in that church, in that congregation who had just contacted HIV and God wanted to deliver her and that's why the devil was trying to harass me. To cut the long story short that woman by the special grace of God today, she is completely healed. <laughs> completely healed of HIV. Completely filled of HIV. But what I'm trying to say is that the devil is too late. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, not just coming to church, may I suggest to you, churchianity is not Christianity. Maybe you are born in church. Baptized in church, confirmed in church, but you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never at any time accepted Him and received Him into your life. All you are doing when you come to church is churchianity. And churchianity without Christ is stupidity. Churchianity without Christianity, without Christ, is stupidity. It's the highest form of foolishness. Because you spend all your time in church, but at the end of it, you go to go to hell. But I hope there's nobody like that here this morning. Quickly, as I begin to round up, there are two revelations that they have. The disciples have. First, the revelation of the disciples. When they saw Jesus, they did not recognize it was Jesus. They said it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Like I said earlier on, these disciples have never seen any mortal being walk on water. So it was appropriate. Don't blame them. These were disciples. They were not the multitudes. They were not the general congregation members. They were not the audience. These were men and women who had been with Jesus. But even when Jesus was on the sea, they did not recognize him. The miracle that Jesus will bring to you may cause you to have doubt and confusion. But may I suggest to you that because you are in Christ, you have to get to that point where you know that this miracle is indeed of God. This thing that is happening to you is indeed of God. Just imagine paddling and rowing, nine hours no progress, and you now see a strange object from afar off walking on water ah they have eventually found me they followed me from my village, now they have found me here at that time, listen to me carefully would you have preferred the storm, or would you have preferred this ghost the ghost or the storm You are in the storm. Frustrated. Stretched. And then you see a ghost. <laughs> what will you do? Let me suggest to you this morning, brethren. Over the next couple of days, the thing that will be happening to you, it may have some semblance of mystery they may be mysterious to you you may not be able to explain them may I suggest to you that the ways of God are past finding out you can't put God in an equation you can't put God in a test tube you can't predict God so the things that will be happening to you in the next couple of days they may seem strange they may seem mysterious but may I tell you that that is the finger of God that is the hand of God It is not a ghost. Tell your neighbor it's not a ghost. ghost. It is Jesus. Jesus. It is not a ghost. 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 It is Jesus. Jesus. Listen to me carefully. No ghost. No devil. No witch. The Bible says you are seated where? In the heavenly places. How How far? How far? How far? How far? how far far above principalities and power so they can't touch you so whatever you are seeing it may look like a ghost it may look like a witch it may look like a wizard it may look like the devil but it is jesus somebody say jesus Jesus. somebody say "Jesus!" jesus if they make those mistakes you must not make that mistake if the disciples made the mistake of calling Jesus a ghost, you must not make that mistake because you now know better. You know better. It is Jesus coming to you. Jesus coming to you. And Peter said, Jesus, if it is you, command me to come. I can't do it, I just need a word from you. I need a word, I can't do it by myself. I can try it, but I need a word. Just command me to come. I don't want to do it with my own effort. I need a word that I can hang on to. I need a word that I can cling on to. Command me. Command me. I'm not going to try it without a word. Listen to me, brethren. Maybe some of you are trying new things, but you don't have a word of assurance from God. May I suggest to you that word is near you. Just ask him, Lord, speak to me. Command me to come. Instruct me to come. Jesus, if it is you, command me. If it is you, please command me command me. The truth is Peter could have just stepped in but he needed a word. He needed a command. Now when we look at this story I know for some of us we normally end this story by looking at the fact that Peter began to sink. My Christianity is not about a sinking Christianity. I don't look at Peter sinking. I look at Peter walking in the history of the entire world, I only know two people who have ever walked on water. I said, I only know of two people who have walked on water. Jesus and Peter. Oh. You are going to walk on water. Listen to me. That problem. That ugly situation. I don't know what it is called. You are going to walk on top of it. I said you are going to walk on top of it. The water that was giving the disciples trouble. The water that was giving them challenges. When Jesus says come. Peter stepped out and began to walk on the same water. You are going to walk on that challenges. I said you are going to walk on that problem. You are going to walk on it. You are going to master that problem. In the precious name of Jesus. All you have to do is fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you have not proclaimed Jesus Christ. You have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you are being buffeted by Satan. You've been to places, you've been everywhere, but there's no solution. You want to step out of the boats, wherever you are, please, please just come forward quickly, step out and come forward quickly. You want to say, Jesus, I want to begin to focus on you. I've been everywhere, but from today, I'm stepping out. If you're coming quickly, please come out quickly, please come out quickly, come out, come out anywhere from the overflow. If you're coming out, please step out, step out. Step out. There's no solution anywhere else. No solution anywhere else. If you are coming out, please come out, please. Are you coming out, sir? If you are coming out, please just come out quickly, quickly, quickly. Quickly if you are coming out. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Please thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you come out quickly, come out quickly. Make a bold step, make a bold step. Thank you, mad. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's encourage them, let's encourage them quickly, quickly. If you're coming out, please come out quickly. Come out, come out, come out quickly. Thank you, thank you. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. I don't have too much time, so I'm just going to go ahead. If you're joining them, I'll just give you two seconds to join them in front here. Please, if you're joining them, run, 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 run. Please, quickly, quickly, yeah. God bless you. Lift up your two hands to heaven. Those of you in front, lift up your two hands to heaven. First of all, listen to me carefully. You are raising those hands to heaven, not to me. And you're going to pray to God, not to me. You're going to pray to Jesus, not to me. So from the depth of your heart, you're going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this day. I am frustrated. I am tired. I have been tossed by circumstances of life. Situations of life have tossed me here and there. I am stretched. I have come to realize that Jesus, you are the only way. You are the truth. I have come to you today. Jesus, you pay the ultimate price. You paid for my sin. You shed your blood for me. You were buried for me. On the third day, you rose from the dead. And right now, you are seated at the right right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. On this 4th of August, I receive you, Jesus Christ, into my heart, into my life, become my Lord, become my Savior. Step into my boats. Step into my life. Let every contrary wind cease. Every ugly situation in my life, let them cease. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, in your name, I am born again. I am born again. You are my Lord and you are my God. From this day forward, in the precious name of Jesus.